Hi again, everybody. This is the Big Idea, Big Moves podcast. I'm Jamie Allison, and this is the destination for high performers. We talk to people from different genres, different niches, different areas of specialization, all people who are doing really cool things in their area. Um, so we've talked to CEOs, we talked to athletes, um, we talked to scientists, we talked to really cool people that are just doing really special things and, and things that you can take some nuggets of information and hopefully apply them to your lives as well. Today's guest I know is going to help us do that again today. Um, but a couple of quick things. If you've been listening to the podcast for a little while, um, if you're looking for a resource for fitness, um, health, and nutrition, then be sure to check out Impact Magazine. Um, they can be found uh, on Instagram. We'll make sure that we post the inter- Instagram post a couple of times on there. But also, um, you, the current magazine is uh, is online at uh, www.impactmagazine.ca and uh, check them out. The the other one is Epitome HR. For a lot of people who are listening, whether they're business people or uh, entrepreneurs, they need some innovative solutions to some of their people issues that they're going through, especially right now. They're the place to talk to. It's a, a consulting firm. They can be looked at at www epitome e-p-i-t-o-m-e-h-r.com and check them out and i know they have an online assessment that you can um, take a look at for your company and see if it makes sense to uh, to further a relationship there um, so now all of those things uh, aside um, really happy to have uh, ashley docking with us today um, she is an award-winning all-canadian multi-sport athlete she's been a fixture on television radio and digital sports content for years now um, she's worked with the edmonton oilers NBA TV Canada, CHCH, and the National Lacrosse League. Um, She's recently co-hosted the Morning Drive show on Sportsnet's um, Fan 590. And now, uh, from what I understand, she's also focused on teaching the next generation of uh, broadcasters. So um, so really cool to have you, Ashley. Thanks for taking the time today. Yeah, no problem. When you're talking about all the people that you had, you're like CEOs, scientists, it's like, and then we ran out of people. So yes, Ashley. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. Not at all. You were so far up on that list. And, and so, uh, you know, we've been trying to get you for a while, which, you know, we've been trying to do that. So, it's true. Uh, I've been a bit slithery. So no, thank you for having no. me finally. I'm glad it worked out. Yeah, yeah. It's very cool. I mean, we're, uh, the easier part is when we're on lockdown, it's a little bit easier to get people right now, which is kind of cool. So, um, you know, we yeah. were talking about how uh, uh, everybody's kind of just packed into, packed their life into the shortened days right now. So um, now I, I do understand that you're, you're, I think doing some teaching or we're preparing to do some teaching. Is that, is that right that you're doing that now? Yeah, I work currently for two colleges. So one is a private media school in Toronto. It's called the College of Sports Media, and I teach their television announcing class. Um, and then the other one, which is kind of interesting, I went back to the college that I graduated from in Seneca, and I teach their introduction to business course. Um, and so that's interesting because it's one of the prerequisite courses for a lot of different programs. So I have marketing students, sometimes English students are taking it as an elective, obviously business students. Um, And so that's been a different kind of challenge for me, but um, both have been pretty fun so far. Very cool. And it's a different environment too, I would assume like that, uh, that industry, I, I know we do some work with them and everything too. It's uh, trying to figure out how to do it with all the changes that are happening in the environment right now as well. So Online spins, I feel so bad for those college kids and university kids that are 
engaging in their first kind of year and their first collegiate experience because it's not the same at, at all, right? Like, right. listen, you get your independence in college by and large. You get into a little debauchery, mostly <laughs> large. <laughs> um, yeah. Right? Like you make friends that you generally have the opportunity to have throughout your whole life. You yeah. quote unquote start to discover yourself. And sometimes that means realizing what you took is actually something that you don't like, which is great too, because either way you're learning. Um, and so I feel so bad that they're relegated to online lessons. Yeah. Um, I try and hold as many live sessions as I can because a lot of the, the study is independent. Um, but they've said that they really like to do, you know, live kind of in-person real-time classes. So I try and accommodate them. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just not the same. I'm going to do like a happy hour or something. Check IDs yeah. at the door and then do drinks during my next lesson. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure kidding. in the background, Seneca. they've figured out some ways of doing that. So, but uh... just kidding. Seneca, if you're listening, that's <laughs> Um, and and so one of the the things is that you and you mentioned Seneca is that you know you were you were a really strong athlete there and and that was something that um, you know you were uh, um, a really heavy athlete that had kind of went into broadcast was that a was that an easy transition for you was it always the plan how did how did that work from a career standpoint for you um I've never really been someone with a master plan um it's just really hard for me to pin down what I want to do, um, mainly because I have a lot of interests mm -hmm. and also because it's a little daunting to say, hey, I want to dedicate myself to this and this completely. And that's generally what you have to do if you want to find success in a certain field. Um, and to me, that's a lot of commitment. Like I'm talking to my therapist about it. So obviously there's some kind of commitment issues here, but I think a lot of people can relate to that, right? Because yeah. you kind of have to put all your eggs in one basket, even if it's for a short amount of time just to explore it. So um, when I was in college, I took a marketing program because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And marketing can kind of touch on a lot of different industries. So it was just a safe choice. Yeah. Um, I really wanted to take fashion business. So I took that for a year and then I went to work. I worked for CIBC World Markets. I worked for Rogers Communications as a dealer's program specialist. So more sales adjacent. Um, but then I just wasn't happy. And I think that a lot of people can relate to that um, because not everybody is lucky enough to have a job that they love to do. Um, it was funny. I was talking to my brother about it a little bit. He's two years younger than me. And I was just like, you know, if you could have your dream job, like what would it be? And he was an athlete too. He went uh, to the States to play uh, hockey on scholarship. And he's like, yeah, I'd probably be in hockey, maybe like a coach running some kind of program, but it's not realistic for me because if I wanted to do that now, I'd have to start at the bottom. And I have a lifestyle and I have a family and I have bills to pay. And it's not feasible for me to go back and take a job that's like $35,000 a year salary to follow my dream. And so he kind of put it in perspective for me because it's not something that I had really thought of. For me, it was always just like, well, I'm going to find what I love to do and then I'm going to do that. And again, not everyone's lucky enough to do that. But after I was at Rogers and just hating my career trajectory and like, I love the people that I work with. The quarterback for my football team was my boss. Um, there was a lot of opportunity for movement and momentum within the organization. Um, I was just miserable though. I was not interested. I was disengaged. I wasn't passionate about it. Um, so I quit 
went back to broadcasting school kind of on a whim. I was lucky enough to do so. Again, it's all about timing and positioning, right? Like I was still living at home at the time. So I didn't have the financial responsibility that a lot of people had. I didn't have any dependents. I don't have any children. Um, so I went back to broadcasting school and then just kind of dove in head first. And it's the first thing that I've ever done work-wise um, that I really like wanted to get after. And so I felt like I was on the right path. And you've, um, you've got, you've obviously created a lot of your own opportunities as you've went through that. How, how has that worked for you? I mean, that's obviously uh, <laughs> maybe even the resiliency that comes with being, you know, being an athlete to start with, but also maybe just how you approach those things. Um, you've had lots of opportunity in very different parts of the business. How, how have you done that? By being annoying, <laughs> by harassing people. It's resiliency, <laughs> however yeah, you want to like, position. It's all perspective. We use coded language. We use coded language for that. We call it networking. I call yes. it just like being incessant. Um, I, I think that's literally just it. It's kind of you have to get over yourself. Um, you have to be willing to put your hand out. And we're not talking about like, begging or doing things that make you uncomfortable or being taken advantage of in the industry in terms of like not being fairly compensated or anything like that. But you have to be willing to say, hi, I'm Ashley. Here's what I bring to the table. Let me know if you have something that you think would fit my skill set so it can be a mutually beneficial relationship. Keep me in mind if you don't right now. Um, and a lot of times that's what it is. It's about building these relationships and hoping that it pays off in the long term. Generally speaking, unless you're some like massive name, you're not going to have that instant gratification. Um, one of the biggest like long cons that I played in terms of networking was when I went back to broadcasting school, I, I quit my job at Rogers, a full-time position. So I was like, I need a job. I need part-time income. I've been working since I was 12, 13, like paper route, Swiss chalet, Tucker's marketplace. Like I always had jobs. Um, so I decided to get a job at, with MLSE. Um, I was at a Raptors, uh, actually, it might have been a Maple Leafs game. I was at a Maple Leafs game and I saw one of the managers talking to some of the bar staff and I kind of asked, I was like, hey, are you guys like hiring for um, bar staff? I've done some service industry stuff or like the beer servers, you know, the ones that literally take your life savings for a 20 ounce beer on yes. like the 300 level. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I was like, if you have an opportunity like that, if you have an opportunity like that, like I'd love to be considered. And his yeah. name is Michael Fagan. And he was like, yeah, here, send a resume. And so I knew that MLSE had a television component. So I was like, how am I going to get into this organization and how can I utilize that to my advantage? So let me be a beer server because A, the hours work for me. They're very flexible. Um, B, it's pretty good money as a matter of fact, for like the short amount of time that you're going to be working and C, if I can get a good relationship with my manager and establish my credibility, he probably knows somebody in the media department that he can refer me to. So after a few months, I mentioned to him what I was in school for, what I was looking for. He was very nice. Again, most people will try and help you if they can. Um, and he's like, send me a resume. So I gave it to him. He forwarded it on to someone named Jamie Allison. We connected. There wasn't an opportunity at the time. But when I graduated school, I went to Edmonton for a year. As you mentioned, I was with the Oilers and Breakfast Television on the West Coast. But when I came back, I get a call. Hey, it's Jamie Allison. I was like, oh, hey, you're like, how are you? It's so nice to hear from you. He's like, we're getting a new D-League team. The Raptors 905. Yeah. We need a sideline reporter. Are you interested? 
And I was like, yeah, like definitely for sure, obviously. But that was like four years in the making to get that call because I was thinking bigger picture, thinking more long-term and how these legitimate relationships will hopefully work out for me in the end. Yeah, it is. I I mean, regardless of what people say, there is a a component of it's who you know, but that isn't something that just falls into something. You do have to create it. You create your own opportunities in that way many times through networks. Um, uh, One of the things is that, so the the industry that, um, you know, the the sports industry on a a whole um, can be pretty traditional in certain areas. And when I say traditional, it can also be um, more difficult for female, whether it's broadcasters or or any of those things. Um, Maybe I'll throw that out there. Is, is um, Is that valid? And do you see... Have you seen change since the start of, um, you know, your career in that? And, and is there something that should be happening moving forward? Uh, that's a difficult question because, that's a t- yeah, the answer, that's a- well, the answer is yes and no. Um, yeah. I didn't necessarily find it difficult to find opportunities for myself because mm-hmm. I kind of came into the market when it was, it was accepted that we needed to be diverse. Um, but for a lot of people in media, specifically sports media, diversity means women and diversity means largely white women. It's actually not an all encompassing, um, it's, it's not an all encompassing ideology that they're trying to roll out. And there are, there are a number of reasons, um, why companies may feel like they don't have candidates that fit their roles, um, that they're looking to fill that fall within the BIPOC community. Um, but a lot of that also has to do with a, you can't really be what you can't really see sometimes. And that's really a common rhetoric that we're hearing a lot in 2020, 2021. And, and also you can't, expect people to kind of break barriers and change traditions in what is usually a pretty male, white male dominated market. If there aren't people in positions of power, willing to lift them up, willing to give them opportunities that they, you know what, maybe they aren't exactly qualified for. I probably wasn't qualified for a couple of the roles that I got, but people gave me a chance. They gave me a shot. I was a quick learner. I worked hard and therefore I was able to thrive. And so who's creating opportunities for women, for people of color, men or women? Um, And are you willing to ride out the audience pushing back because it's something new that they're not used to? And that is going to be a major factor going forward. Um, Are you willing to let the audience kind of revolt if they don't like what they see or like what they hear because they're not used to it in order to make advancements that at the end of the day benefit everybody? Different perspectives, different voices, different lenses. That is always going to make a better product. And right now in sports media, it's largely male. It's largely white male. And so you get a lot of, the same narrative, the same background, the same concepts, because they all have a similar, not all of them are the same, of course, but a lot of them have a similar life experience. Sure. Well, I, I always, um, it struck me when, when I would listen to you kind of bringing forward, um, you, you did a really good job about being able to bring forward things like, um, you know, women's leagues and, and talking more about that where it it isn't, 
the norm, I think, uh, you know, right now, and, and maybe that's part of it as well about, you know, having some of those conversations is important about, you know, bringing some notoriety to something which starts to shift the audience as well. Yeah. At the end of the day, like this might be my marketing background talking, but I think it rings true for any industry at all, no matter who's listening, people care what you tell them to care about. People care about the things that you show them. Okay. So people don't hear about the WNBA. They don't hear about the NWHL. They don't hear about women's tennis unless it's Serena Williams, right? Like they don't hear about these things because we don't talk about them. It's like if you're marketing a product, oh, sweaters are in for 2020. Well, who decides that? The fashion industry. And they told us that that's what we should care about. So we start to care about it. And for the longest time, broadcasting has been just skipping over, sports broadcasting has just been skipping over women's sports as a whole because they don't think people care about it. But that's because they're not invested in it themselves. Any story can be a good story if you tell it the right way. And so it's all about how you're going to frame it to the audience. And there was this illusion that only women care about women's sports. Mm -hmm. Well, why? Well, because the men on the airwaves weren't talking about it. And the men who were running the stations weren't making it a directive. So how can you be invested in something that you don't know about? Yeah, absolutely. And, and the same goes for, you know, women in leadership and things like that. If you don't have mm-hmm. enough people coming into the pipeline, you're never going to have the right lum- number by the time you get to leadership because you've, you haven't created that larger pipeline of people. And, and it's yeah. the same from a marketing standpoint. So. Well, and who are you choosing to mentor, right? right? Because who are you choosing to sponsor? Who are you standing out for when they're not in the room? Okay, so you're trying to fill a role in senior management or your C-suite and you look internally and none, and you want to hire a woman, but none of the women fill the criteria, fit the criteria to jump into this role seamlessly. They're just, they're not equipped at this stage. Okay, well, why not? I think that actually at some point you need to look internally at your organization and say, have we put them in a position to be successful? Have we talked to them and say, okay, what are you interested in? Here's the tools you need. Here are the cross-functional meetings that you need to be involved with. So if this opportunity arises, you are prepared. And a little bit, that's an organizational failing. And then the integrated networks that come with that too, because a lot of people, it's the mm-hmm. inform, uh, informal networks. It's you know, inviting people into the right thing and making sure they have a voice in a meeting and things like that. So uh, good conversation. Thank you. Um, so the, uh, tied to that for you as well, as I, I know you spend time building a, a social media platform. That's a, a piece that goes with it. And you also have, and, and people see a lot of who you really are through that as well. Uh, at least mm-hmm. the, the assumption is that you, you're kind of authentic <laughs> that way. Um, yeah. But it also offsets what you do from a content standpoint for your job as well. Um, is that something you do pretty intentionally or is it just something that, you know, you enjoy doing? How, do, how does that work for you? So it started as something that was a necessity. Uh, Believe it or not, I wasn't really into social media um, when I first started doing um, broadcasting school. I mean, I had Facebook, but that was kind of about it. And (laughs) I wasn't really, I did like, I don't know, people who are in like their mid thirties can probably relate. It was like, I did the photo dump. Like I would go out for the weekend. I would take 7,000 photos. I would make 18 albums on Facebook and I would just like leave it for the world to see and all my shame and glory, depending on what lens you're looking at it from. Um, But then when I went to broadcasting school, they're like, Hey, there's this thing called Twitter. You need to be on it. 
Hey, do you have Instagram? Hey, do you have LinkedIn? Um, these are all tools that are going to help with your visibility and also sharing your content to people who want to see it. Um, this is how you have a direct line to your, your fans, if you will, um, or your colleagues or news, news and information. Like that's what I use Twitter for, for pretty much the first like four or five years, I would share a few things that I was doing professionally, but I was kind of ghost following and retweeting and just getting information, um, at the drop of a dime. And then I slowly started to, I guess, open up a little bit more, um, share the things that I was thinking, the things that I find interesting, the things that probably only I find funny, um, <laughs> traveling. And then again, like a huge promotional tool for work, because one of the things that I think we all know that we can manipulate through social media is we can give an image of who we are professionally even if that's not the case. And I'm not saying I was out here frauding people. Like I didn't go on a tour at TSN and take a picture on the desk and put it out there for people to think that I was going to be their next anchor. Yeah. That's not what I'm talking about, but you can show people that even if you don't necessarily have like a big marquee thing going on, that there's work happening in the background, that there's interest happening in the background. And you know, there's an old adage, like it's easier to find work when you have work right? Yep. Like those things yep. come to you, you attract what you are. Yep. So little things like that to show the people that are making the decisions like, Hey, there it, I am desirable. There are people that want to work with me. How come, yep. how come you don't? Um, but recently I made a more conscious decision to kind of put myself out there even a little bit more. Um, because I just, I do want to be authentic and I do want to show people that you can be yourself and still find success. Um, I think the one thing that I've learned over the last couple of years is like, I don't really want to necessarily force any work relationships. If you want to work with me because of who I am and what I can bring to the table and what I do, my skill set, then that's amazing. But if you want to work with me, but then you're like, uh, but like you have to like lose that part of you, a part of you who makes you who you are, yeah. then I have to weigh if that's worth it to me. Um, and so that's kind of where I'm at right now, where it's like every opportunity is a good opportunity unless you have, unless it kind of infiltrates the boundaries that you've set for yourself, which can yeah. always be changing too. Well, if it's that, that answers uh, your question. It was very, yeah, no, I, I think it's great because <laughs> I, I think it does, it is that kind of alignment with whether it's the values of the organization or what they represent, how they do work is just as mm. important for, for you, whether you're in your field or any other field is, is you, there has to be a match. Otherwise you won't have that engagement. You won't want to, um, to give your all to the job in the same way. Yeah. So. And there just won't be the retention. Like right. you will get tired of it. You will yeah. get annoyed. You will get frustrated or they will. And yeah. it just, it won't end up being something that's fulfilling. And the company should be just as concerned about being realistic about what things are like there too, because they yeah. want the retention just as much as you do. So um, uh, do you have, I know you've mentioned a couple of names of people, but do you have a mentor or somebody that you've really kind of looked up to through kind of your own career process so far? Um. Like, yes, definitely. 
I get a lot of inspiration and a lot of advice um, from a lot of uh, my peers, to be honest with you. Um, There wasn't, because sports broadcasting wasn't something that I necessarily chased from when I was young. It's not like a childhood dream. Um, There wasn't someone where I'm like, oh my gosh, like Christine Simpson, who is amazing by the way, but it wasn't like, I need to, I have to meet her. I have to pick her brain. Um, So I think that was a little bit of a disadvantage to be honest with you, because I didn't really know the ins and outs of the industry, like someone who may have been following it for the whole time. So what I had when I started out were the people that I went to school with, the people that I met early in my career and the people that I came up with. And so that's been a really interesting journey to be like, Hey, listen, I'm experiencing this right now with a B and C job or a B and C person. Have you felt like this before? Have you gone through something like this before? How did you handle it? Who did you talk to? Um, Can I reach out to them? So I've been lucky enough to have a lot of majority women, honestly, a lot of strong women in my corner who have my back, who I can kind of um, speak to. But, you know, I think a lot of people have vouched for me, people that I've worked with or some of my teachers. Most of my jobs that I've gotten have been straight up from people that I, I know where I've met. And it's just been like a really nice relationship. We've gotten along really well. And that automatic like trust and connection was there. So, um, you know, Jim Van Horn helped me out a lot when I was younger. He helped me get my first job by giving me a really great reference after I bombed the interview. <laughs> Can I, I need to make it clear, like bombed the interview. Um, but he was like, no, listen, she's not as messy as she seems. Give her a shot. Um, and then Ray Williams has been really great to me. He's a teacher at the College of Sports Media. Um, alongside me now, but he vouched for me when I started working for, um, you know, Kojiko TV, Joel Feld, he's a consultant for the NLL. So, you know, because there are a lot of males in decision-making positions, I haven't necessarily been fortunate enough to have a female sponsor or a female mentor yet. Um, It is something that I I do want, but um, most of my female relationships have been my peers, but I think that they can mentor you too. I think when someone's kind of going through it at the same time as you were in a recent time frame, they yeah. can really shed some light on things because sometimes when you do lean on people who are older or have a different experience, because the industry has changed so much yeah. now. So yeah. when you rely on people like that, sometimes you just don't align with their views and their vision. Yeah. Um, and that's okay too. Like, I'm sure Jamie, you've gone to people for advice and you're like, yeah, that doesn't really sit right in my soul. I think I'm actually, yeah. I appreciate what you're saying, but I'm going to actually, it pushed me in a different direction, yeah. um, which is cool too. Well, and I, th- I think you're right. There's, there's kind of mentors up and down in an organization or anything as well, because there's just as much that somebody can learn just in a different way from somebody who's much younger right now too, because their environment yeah. is so different as, as well. So, um, and one other thing I have to ask you, and I'm sure you're asked all the time is um, it's kind of related to that is the, you know, you were, you were in that incident with Kelly Gruber, you know, earlier oh, yeah. on and, you know, and, and for people who don't know, it's just a, you know, you can look it up. It's some point but really just um what i wanted to ask you about is is that you you kept your cool very well in something that probably would have thrown a lot of people off because it was um um you know just disrespectful to you so uh, Mm -hmm. how how did that feel being the broadcaster who had to deal with that at the time and and um you know how did you keep your cool the way you did 
You know, sometimes when you watch a TV show or a movie and the character's sitting there and all of a sudden it like flashes to something that they like want to do. Yeah. But then they like snap <laughs> back to reality and they're like, yep. no, 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 that's a bad choice. <laughs> um, there, was, there was definitely a moment of that where it was like, my natural instinct was to kind of stand up for myself and yeah. be like, I'm so sorry. Like, who, who do you think you are to kind of speak to me like this? Also, we're at a charity event, right? Yeah. That's the thing yeah. too. We're at a charity event. We're trying to raise money for the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame and the programs that they put out. Um, so I was like, what is going to, I, I was looking to deescalate because it was uncomfortable for me. It was uncomfortable for the other panelists. It was uncomfortable for the audience. Everyone was very confused. Um, and so I, yeah, that was my main goal was to yeah. just be like, how can I try? And I tried multiple times. I don't know. You saw it. So yeah. there was multiple times where he was like a little weird and I was like, okay, so anyway, tell me about what you see with the blue. And then he like continued to be a bit strange. Yeah. And I was like, this is, this is not going well. And to be fair, like two, so I worked for homestand sports for a long period of time. Shout out to Kevin Kennedy, who organizes these live, um, basically audience facing chats and Q and A's and panels and store nights of storytelling. So he was the one who was yeah. working with the Canadian baseball hall of fame, um, to, facilitate this and there was an incident with mr gruber backstage actually that no one really saw where he yeah. was being inappropriate not only to me but to a number of the staff at rec room and so i went and told kevin what had happened and to his credit he's like that's it it's done i'm pulling him from the show we're not going to stand for this like he was an ally in all the ways that you need someone to be yeah. but because of kind of the show must go on mentality. I was like, no, it's okay. I appreciate it. Let's just let this happen. There are people here to see him. Let's not rock the boat. Um, which like, again, is such like a female mentality. I feel like we're conditioned to be like, just push through. Even if you're uncomfortable, even if someone crosses the line, they shouldn't feel the repercussions. Let's just act like everything's normal. Yeah. Let's make everyone else feel comfortable. Um, at your own, basically at your own peril. So yeah. I was like the one who's like, let's just do it. And then yeah. as soon as he came on the stage, I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh but, my God, Kevin, maybe you had a point. But again, it's just one of those things where I think just broadcasting, you're taught to keep your cool no matter what happens. Yeah. Um, again, as a woman in society, you are taught to absorb some of that awkwardness and make it okay for everybody else, no matter what you're facing. Um, so I think that those are probably two of the main factors, fortunately and unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, both sides, I'm sure. But um, but I mean, from a pure professional standpoint, that is something I, you know, I'm very impressive that you were able to, oh, to you. hold yourself together that way. Because I think a lot of people, you know, it would have been very difficult, I'm sure, inside. So <laughs> that's, uh, um, yeah. you know, that's a whole different thing, though. So Beers uh, were had after. Beers were yeah, had after. oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Beers different. Were yeah. <laughs> there was lots more said I'm, uh, off camera, I'm sure. So. Um, so one of the things that we um, ask everybody that we interview is um, a couple of actionable items for people listening. And I'm sure there's been lots of really cool stuff, especially from a mentorship standpoint and how to, to, to kind of go through the industry that you're in. Um, but I'm wondering if you could uh, think of maybe two or three things that if somebody's thinking of going into, let's say into media or into broadcasting and is listening right now, are there a couple of um, steps that you would recommend they should do kind of right away just to get themselves on that path? So 
First things first, read. Read, 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 and read everything. Consume everything because the more you know, the more creative I find you become because you could read a piece, you know, excuse me, you could read a piece by Blake Murphy and he could pull up a really interesting stat and you're like, oh, that makes me wonder about this. Boom, content. You could read something, you could see an interview by Taylor Rooks and be like, oh, wow, that's interesting. That makes me wonder about this. And now I'm getting curious. Now I'm getting inquisitive. And that's where original content comes from. So feel free to be inspired by the people around you, the people that are doing exactly what you want to do. Um, and then kind of riff off that because at this stage, when you're first starting, you probably won't have the access, right? You're not going to be able to get Kyle Lowry on the phone for a podcast. So how can you utilize the things that are out there and make original content based on that? That's the first thing. Read, read, watch, watch, be immersed. Second, um, you got to just start. You got to just start something. Start your shitty little blog that you're going to be embarrassed about in 10 yeah. years. Start your podcast with the crappy audio that you're going to figure out eventually. You know, yeah. start an Instagram, start a YouTube channel. Um, just start because the one thing that I have learned, especially as we transition more to like a digital style of sports broadcasting, is that it doesn't matter how many people follow you. It matters that the right people follow you. And so I could have a thousand followers on Twitter, but if one decision maker follows me or comes across my content, it doesn't matter if I have a built-in audience of 50,000 people or I have a built-in audience of a thousand people. If someone, if the right person sees you, it can be game-changing. So you have to have content out there because when you're applying for jobs, people want to see a reel. They want to see written work that you've done. They want to, they want links to your social. If yeah. you have nothing on them, you don't have a leg to stand on. You're basically going and being like, no, 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 trust me. And they're like, yeah. who the hell are you? <laughs> it's like, what do you mean? That's like any industry. You can't be applying for graphic designer rules if you haven't designed anything if you don't have a portfolio to show me you can't be i don't know if you've been following like the GameStop stuff i'm like enthralled um yeah. <laughs> you can't be necessarily telling people i want to be a trader for you trust me with your money if i don't have a track record for anything yeah. so you have to start something and you will figure it out and you will get better um yeah. And people, people will watch. Again, here's the thing too. If people aren't rocking with you in your home market, if I start something in Toronto and no one in Toronto cares about me, there's 8 billion people in the world. Yeah. Maybe my market isn't Toronto. Who knows? Why am I basing my value on the opinion of people in my city that I don't even know? There is so much to conquer in the world. So don't think so small. Yeah, lots of opportunity. And it's really just, I think you're right, it's building something. And I think we can all, those people who've been in a career for a while or in business or whatever it happens to be for a while, you can look back and the things that you did, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, they, they might seem ridiculous now when you see <laughs> them, but they are what built you to where you are today and, mm -hmm. and, um, and gave you opportunities and gave you the network and gave you those things that allowed you to move to the next level. And it's, it's that way in, in basically any career. So, um, yeah, right. uh, that's, that's great advice. And I, I think it transfers I actually basically have, anything. 
I actually have one more thing to say specifically. Yeah. This is, this kind of goes for everybody, but for people who are trying to do broadcasting or do anything where basically they're putting their neck, their face, their personality out on the line, there is no such thing as an overnight success point blank period. People crop up out of nowhere and you're like, Oh wow. They just, they're an overnight success. No, no. They were doing things where it's successful to you because you didn't know about them, but they were spending overnights at some shoddy newsroom somewhere to get where they are today. So just keep that in mind. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, and yeah, I, I, that's great advice. And, and so if, if people out there are wanting to follow you or, or see kind of what you're up to, Ashley, what are, what are the best ways of doing that? Um, I, I love a LinkedIn moment. So you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, yeah. Business inquiries, serious inquiries only. Um, and, uh, and LinkedIn is not a dating site, no matter how yeah. hard you try. I will put that out there. Um, and I'm on Instagram. It's just my full name, at Ashley Docking. And on Twitter, you can find me at SmartAsh, S-M-R-T-A-S-H, Simpsons reference for those who know you know. Um, but yeah, those are, those are my three main channels. I have TikTok now too. Um, really? I don't know if people well, are into that. Yeah, I've been doing yeah. some Raptors recaps on it. Very cool. Um, well, yeah, that's cool too. Yeah, you got to be on everything anymore. So that's that's great. So um, so we will put in the show notes those out uh, those different spots as well, and uh, cool. you can go through there. Um, anybody who's listening right now, if you haven't hit subscribe, do that right now because we have great guests every week, and um, you'll be the first to be able to hear them when it comes out as well. Um, the uh, the other side is if you haven't checked, um, we have some really great resources. Um, some of the books of some of the people who've been on the show and everything too. If you go to www.bigideabigmoves.com uh, under the enrichment page, there's a whole bunch of really cool stuff there to uh to help you out so um so again thanks for taking the time ashley really appreciate it i know people are going to love the episode so thanks so much they better you guys better love me that's awesome (laughs) all right and we'll talk to everybody again on big idea big moves